are listening to Adjective New Music's podcast, Lexical Tones. I'm your host, Rob McClure. Curious. Collaborative. Personal. Jason Bolte is a composer and educator. He currently resides in Bozeman, Montana with his wife, Barbara, their two beautiful daughters, Leela and Megan, and their friendly dog, Allie. Jason teaches music technology and composition at Montana State University, where he also directs the Montana State Transmedia and Electroacoustic Realization Studios and BA in Music Technology. Jason's music explores the North American Mountain West, modular synthesis and live performance, and the collaborative intersections of music, art, and science. Well... Well, cool. So good to good to see you again, man. Um, <laughs> you too, Rob. It unfortunately it wasn't at any of the many festivals that got canceled that I'm sure we were going to be at together. But you know, <laughs> probably here, here's hoping that within the next year, maybe. But who knows? Um, anyway, yep. we're going to be talking about three of your electronic works tonight, and uh, I wanted to start off with your piece, Arid Flow for uh, Fixed Media. Mm -hmm. So uh, when and why did you write this piece? Yeah, so it was was written for a um, a, uh, aerial dance troupe uh, out of San Francisco. Um, They were coming into Bozeman for a uh, a performance um, sponsored by a group called Mountain Time Arts um, out here in Montana. And they were looking for a local composer uh, to write a piece. And uh, electroacoustic music was actually, uh, for the venue, probably the right, uh, an easy way to sort of approach it. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah. It was uh, everything. It was no live performance. Everything was recorded. Um, so it made a lot of sense to go ahead and do it that way. Um, yeah. So they approached me. We talked a little bit about what they were, what they were interested in doing and uh, uh started going out into the Gallatin range, uh, just South of Bozeman and, uh, recording, uh, a ton of sound files of the, uh, um, uh, the, uh, highlight in highlight Canyon, uh, which is, uh, uh, contains a highlight river or highlight Creek that, uh, uh, is one of, um, one of Bozeman's main water supplies. There's actually a reservoir up at, uh, about probably 6,000 feet, uh, mm-hmm. up there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, really about capturing the idea of the spring thaw that happens out here in the Rockies. Yeah. Um, so, so that yeah. was interesting. Um, I mean, what, what is that like? I've never really lived anywhere that, that could thaw, you know, the, fir- yeah. the furthest <laughs> North I've ever lived is Toledo, Ohio. We don't really sure. thaw so much as we just kind of like muck around for a while. So. <laughs> well, we do that too. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, it, you know, we're still, we're, you know, we're getting to the end of June, so things are starting to, to melt. Um, oh my God. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So probably, um, you know, I, I, most people aren't hiking up in the, in the high country yet. It's still pretty, there's still feet of snow. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, it's starting to, it's starting to, uh, starting to thin out a little bit. I know I was looking at, uh, up at Glacier, which is, uh, from Bozeman, it's about it's about a eight hour drive north, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, they they're they're still plowing the road. Uh, they're still oh you know God. like twenty feet of snow up <laughs> up at the pass, um, and so so yeah, it's a different you know 
growing up in the Midwest, as you said, you know, I'm, I'm from Indiana. So, yeah. I mean, Montana is a, uh, the West is a very different place. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, but so, that's part of the fun of it. That's, yeah. Yeah. So when, when you're, when you're out there and you're, and you're capturing the, the, the spring thaw, I mean, th- that's where the, a lot of, I imagine a lot of the original source material comes from. I'm hearing like water mm-hmm. droplets and yep. I mean, then again, you know, knowing what I know about electroacoustic music, those could sure. be anything, but, um, it, it, you're, you're going out and capturing like real sound sources. Yeah. Uh, the majority of it is, is, uh, uh, actually all the water sounds are captured, uh, from Highlight Creek that are, that are, uh, um, uh, coming down off the mountain. The, um, there are, there are sounds in there. If you listen close, there's, there's that, 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 that sort of classic electroacoustic trick of taking, uh, uh, water sounds and turning them into fire and back again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in Montana and it's kind of a, I mean, we, we have a fire season. It's in August. It, it's horrible. It, it can be just really devastating and hard to, 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 to uh, function and breathe. Um, when we have a really bad one. Uh, so, you know, I wanted to take that idea of the spring thaw, the, the actual uh, uh, program that's programmed on the, the aerial dance uh, program was called uh, Spring Thirst. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it made sense to me that, you know, if we don't get that water, we're we're in horrible trouble. Um, yeah. Just 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 because of the forest fires that we could have on here. But yeah. So it makes yeah. that it yeah, does yeah. that classic electroacoustic thing that, that that sort of water to fire thing. Uh, through a couple times in the piece, and there there were also times when it sounded like you know the water was turning into metal or like uh, like steel rods or something like that. Mm-hmm. So so I'm uh, I'm kind of assuming that uh, that was just done with like resonant filter banks and stuff yep. like that. Yeah, yeah, just just basically those things. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're I think you're making uh, use of uh, you know granulation too. To, a little to get bit. some of those textural of that effects. Is, is that right? Yeah, there, there's some granulation in there for sure. What what are uh, other than you know other than those? What are your other like kind of go to electronic techniques that you kind of find yourself coming back to? Yeah. So for me, um, you know, the techniques have become actually a lot simpler in some ways um, from where I, you know where I was you know ten years ago or whatever, or even further back in grad school. Um, yeah, so so a lot of a lot of the work that I work on is 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 really through um, orchestration. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of what really what really drives me at this point is um, not a lot of processing, some uh, in my fixed music, but but a lot of orchestrational techniques. So you know, um, 40, 50, 60. Uh, tracks that didn't bounce down and then I create 40, 50 more and bounce those down. Yeah. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of that in there. Um, and it's something that, that um, I don't know, it's just kind of intriguing to me over the last couple of years. And also, it, you know, I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pitch content in, and especially that piece um, that is uh, um, not to give away secrets, uh, but uh, you know, it, it's <laughs> a lot, <laughs> a lot of times, a lot of, a lot of the pitch content that I use is, is I, I is stacked fifths like just just like twenty of the darn things you know right on top right, of each other yeah. um, and, and to me it, it, it gives a lot of it, it, it centers things it does mm-hmm. and but yet it doesn't always reference you know try it it's not it doesn't feel harm it doesn't feel functional in that way to me uh, yeah when I have just a whole bunch of them it's 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 a beautiful texture 
but it doesn't have to be to carry, you know, uh, functional relationships. And, and that's kind of, yeah. I, yeah. And, and I was going to kind of ask about that too, mm-hmm. because it, it's, you know, it's so, I think so much of electroacoustic music, um, particularly fixed media, uh, pitch is largely devoid unless of course there's an instrument playing with it, you know, sure. and you want to have that pitch interaction, but just strictly fixed media. I think there is a lot of, a lot out there that just kind of almost just does away with pitch altogether. And whenever I hear it in music, I'm like, Oh, that's so nice. You know, this is, this is a big part of music too. Why, why do we, you know, why do we just completely ignore it when we get into the computer? So Mm -hmm. um, is is that kind of how you're, you're approaching it? Like you're using it, you said you wanted you you used it to kind of center things, but there was also mm. kind of a, you know, albeit slow and drawn out, but a kind of a harmonic progression. Yeah, in there's this piece. Th- there definitely is. Um, yeah, you know, and, and it's it took a long time. I mean, I'm now we're going to go talk about my background. It took a long time for me to come to um, come to the realization that it's okay. Pitch is fine. Yeah. It um, is. <laughs> You know, and, and I mean, there, there, there's, I wouldn't say it's, you, you don't find it in electroacoustic music. I think that there's, there's strands of electroacoustic music that, that don't, don't incorporate it in, 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 you know, the same way we would incorporate it in acoustic music. It, it's just right, not, yeah. that's not what it's about. And that's, that's great. I got plenty of pieces that, that do that. Uh, sure. But, but, but yeah. sometimes it's just, it's nice to, it's nice to have, you know, bitch. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to, I want to go back to, yeah, yeah I want to go back to the, um, your comment about like how over time uh, the techniques have kind of gotten simpler and mm-hmm. you're just kind of focusing on orchestration. I myself have found that to be true as well. You know, as, as you go, as I've gone further and further, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still using uh, Logic as my primary DAW, but I find that, you know, when I look down the the mixer and the, you know, the um, the effects uh, it, it inserts, it's like EQ, maybe a pitch correction here or there, but like yep. that's that's basically it. I guess I. I'm using like I'm trying to build more things like in Max mm-hmm. that can do some processing for me, but largely it's just because I want more control than I would have in the in the in the DAW. But I I kind of agree. Like I'm I'm way more about just like getting really really good sounds mm-hmm. first of all, recording really really nice sounds, and then just working with that material instead of trying to mask a mistake in the recording or something like that with processing, I guess. Yeah. You know, for me, I find, um, you know, I'm more and more want to sort of just get out of the way of the, of the natural sound, um, that, that I may have, may have recorded. Um, yeah. And maybe it's because we get, I'm, I'm a better recordist now than I was years ago, (laughs) but, but it's, you know, it's, you know, I think the, the natural sound that you can hear in nature and in a world around you is just so interesting by itself. I, I really like, I really like sculpting it. I mean, I've, so a piece I haven't suggested, uh, but uh, one that, that, that kind of goes along with this is I have a, um, a piece that's, I, I posted on SoundCloud and uh, that you can uh, check out. It's uh, um, 
it's a recording of a music box, um, uh, piece by, uh, uh, Handel, I think I have to think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, uh, I remember my, I remember my parents having it up on a shelf, uh, this music box and one, one summer, one winter, uh, when we were home visiting back, back visiting Indiana, I brought a recorder along. Uh, I usually do when I visit my parents cause there's sometimes there's lots yep. of record, but, uh, sat down at like two o'clock at night when everyone was asleep and recorded this thing like three or four times. And it's, it's a beautiful sound because it's, it's, it's a sound that I, it references memories, but it also is a lot different than I remember. <laughs> it's like, I'm pretty sure my mm-hmm. brothers and sisters, I've got five brothers and sisters. I'm pretty sure they've had their go at it as well. And it's got, it's a little wound up and it's got <laughs> janky sounds to it. Uh, but you know, I, you know, latest experiment was taking that recording and um, basically cutting it up in 32 different frequency bands over over its spectrum mm-hmm. and then trying to pan that in a ambisonic field and come up with something that felt, you know, maybe like you're oh. inside of it or, you know, and it's a simple process. Yeah. It's not a complex process. There's no, there's no synthesis really involved. It's just 30, 32 or 40 bands of filtration. Um, you know, and it's a, it's a, I'm not sure if it's successful. It's interesting <laughs> to me. Uh, right. Yeah. But, but you know, that was, you know, that's kind of where I'm heading is this, you know, looking at these things that are, that are, you know, not as, not that I don't write complex music anymore, because I think, I think that Eric flow is a pretty, is a complex piece, but, mm-hmm. but I think the simplicity of the sim- simplicity is something that, that I find really interesting right now. Yeah, I think so too. You know, it's it, wanting to live with just something. Mm-hmm you know, and explore it is a really, uh, I mean, that's, that's something that you obviously don't get to do in normal life and to have that experience listening that like, that takes you to a different place. So not overloading it with, okay, you've got this simple thing, but then, you know, there's the, there's the flutist and the offstage trumpet and, you know, the live electronics and no input mixing, you know, like you, you could easily like kind of overload an mm. idea like that. But I think with, with experience, you, you have the confidence to just say like, no, that's the piece. That's all that it is. And, and I'm okay with that. You know, you're going to make us feel old. Rob. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I didn't. Experience. I didn't say age. I said experience. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, um, one of the another kind of like towards the uh, towards the climax of arid flow, where the the piece is kind of overtaken by something that is almost like mechanical or industrial. Mm-hmm. So, what wh- what is that? Is that still just the water, but like heavily it is. processed? It's the water, but heavily processed. Wow. Um, Okay, I tell you the truth. Well, that, I don't that's remember. Interesting. I don't because I was... remember how I made that sound. <laughs> well, I've I've got to do like a guest composer thing um, for a former student at their new institution, mm-hmm. uh, and they 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 want me to talk about this piece that I made like ten years ago, and I'm like, oh uh... man, what I, I what did I do? Oh, oh, okay, I'll I'll figure it out. Like. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, in the moment it seems so cool, right. but then you know, ten years later, you're like, "Yeah, that's that's the way it's always mm-hmm. been." I mean, I don't know; it just made it. Whatever. 
Well, that's uh, wow. That, I, it may have been an artifact. Th- that, I just don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but that's super cool because that doesn't that doesn't really come off that yeah. way. You know the 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 rhythms and the you know the um, the the spectral content is just so kind of um, it skews more to something that's yep. man-made, and that's that's really interesting that. You were able to take that natural sound source and get so much, you know, so many different expressions mm-hmm. out of it, I guess. Yeah. So, well, let's listen to it right now. So okay. we're going to hear Arid Flow.
Hi there. It's Andrew Martin-Smith again, with a brief message from our podcast sponsor. Are you interested in viewing, attending, or listening to events featuring music written by members of the Adjective Composers Collective? If so, check out the events page on our website at adjectivenewmusic.com for a listing of concerts and happenings near you. That's adjectivenewmusic.com slash events. Before we return to this week's episode, here is a brief interlude featuring the music of Cynthia Van Manen, performed by soprano Laura Osgood-Brown, cellist Samuel Bose-Miller, and pianist Yeju Schwan. So feel free to sit back and enjoy this excerpt of Cynthia Van Manen's Complicity. And now, let's continue this week's episode of Lexical Tones. Before we move on, let me ask you, as a composer of like many, uh, I mean, you, you work with fixed media quite often, it seems yeah. like. Mm-hmm. Is that, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Um, what, what, like, why fixed media? What draws you to it? Why do you keep coming back to it? Uh, maybe, uh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I, I think part of it is comfort. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it, it's yeah, a comfortable place totally. uh, uh, for me. Um, it, it's also, um, in some ways, f- for myself, pro- uh, a medium that allows allows me to work by allows me to work at my own pace. Maybe that's the way to put it. Um, where, yeah. um, and, and produce material that 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 I want to do. Yeah. It's kind of, that sounds horribly selfish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
But yeah, yeah, no, no. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but but I mean, when you're when you're working on a piece that where you have a performer mm-hmm. or an ensemble, it's a different or situation. You yeah. do have to take into consideration. You yeah, you have to take into consideration how they're, you know, who they are as performers, mm-hmm. how they might use the mm-hmm. piece, you know, in their performance in the future. You know, like it's uh, when I that that's one of the questions that that always comes up for me when I'm when I'm like. Uh, working with a new ensemble or a new performer, like where do you want this to go in your show? Right. You know, do you need an opener? Do you need a closer? Do you need the second piece that needs to be kind of like quiet or soft mm-hmm. or whatever? Like, what are you looking for right now? And with fixed media, like you say, it's, I mean, selfish is the wrong <laughs> word, but it's not an altogether incorrect yeah. word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like because it's it's just for for you, but I, you know, working working at your own pace is <laughs> it is it's nice. nice. I have to it say, nice. yeah. yeah. You, know, you know, I think um, so. I really, I really do like working with fixed media. I it it, it fulfilling. Um, it is um, even when I write for mm-hmm. for uh, uh, live instruments, almost always it incorporates fi- fixed media. Almost always, um, and and maybe live electronics on top of that. But, yeah, but it's all. I don't think I've ever written a piece that that didn't include a fixed part. Uh, when it, when I was writing electroacoustic music, it's a place where I can I can sit up here in the studio and just just dive in. And I think that's what it, it's it's less for me. It's more of the creation aspect that makes it feel that 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 allows me to to. Um, really enjoy it. Um, I, I can tell you that although I, mm-hmm. I love writing uh, uh, instrument and electronic pieces, when I write electro instrument, instrument, electronic pieces, the electronics always come first, which is really a weird really? way to go about wow. it. Um, it. They do. And it's a really <laughs> weird way to go about it. Um, and I think I just, it's just the fascination with what you can create from anything. I think that really sort of drives drives that area yeah 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 and it's not like the the, the uh um the instrument may be a set afterthought it's definitely not but it's it usually comes after i've created this 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 big orchestra this big orchestration and i'm like okay mm-hmm. kind of have an idea where this is going now let's write let's write the clarinet you know whatever part it is and you know sometimes adjust things as we go along but yeah usually usually i'm i'm further ahead in the electronics than i am in the acoustic the acoustic instruments or instrument just sort of follows along a little later um yeah but wow. that's i know it's um, a weird way to go about it <laughs> it is weird <laughs> well i mean i think for for me one of the other really attractive parts of uh fixed media is that you know you are as opposed to writing just purely acoustic works or even even like you know pieces that use live electronics mm-hmm. or or whatever um, you are, you're getting that immediate feedback, you know, where like you, this is how the piece is going to sound. sound. Yeah. I know that it's going to sound like this forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that right now and I can, I can base decisions off of that as opposed to like the super drawn out process of writing acoustic music where, you know, okay, I'll write for two or three months 
and then it'll take another month or two if they're ready to go right then mm-hmm. for the ensemble to to get it ready then there's the performance and then it's like okay well that didn't work obviously so what do i have to go back and fix you know it's just this it, it the process is much much longer as opposed to fixed media where it's just like it's so instant and that's like that's that's really attractive to work it like is that. And, and and maybe it's also my you know my training as a recording engineer that it just it just feels right yeah. in the studio i don't know um but yeah i yeah like i said you know it's 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 been a it's i don't think i've ever just written an electroacoustic music that didn't have a fix actually i know i haven't written an electroacoustic piece that didn't have a fixed media in it somewhere um so yeah 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 me me too actually now that <laughs> think I'm about, it. about it yeah I've, yeah like live just purely live electronic music is it's hard. I don't. It's hard. It's it's super super hard, and the people that do it really well, yeah. I I admire the hell out of mm-hmm. them. I just know that like the the precision that I can get in fixed media, that's not something that I feel like I can also get yet, may or maybe ever in live live electronic yeah. music, and I I just can't give up that precision, you mm-hmm. know. So anyway, um, well, speaking of a piece of yours that I, it's, I think it has a live part. Mm-hmm. I wasn't entirely clear, but uh, swish yep. swoosh. Um, so it's for modular synthesizer and fixed media. Is the modular synth, do you, is that being played live? Yeah, there, there's two versions. I think the, the version we're going to listen to is the one with a, that has a live, a live performance ver- aspect to it. So, so yeah, okay. it's a. Uh, um, so it's a fixed, a fixed part that's derived from, um, um, well, actually a Moog, uh, mini Moog, a mini Moog synthesizer. And then over the top of it, there's a, uh, sort of, um, um, loosely improvised, um, or guided, uh, soloistic, you know, performance uh, on a modular synthesizer over top of it. So, so yeah, it's sort of a, it's a fun piece to do. Cause it's, it's, it, uh, uh you know, you, you, you move one knob and it sounds like you did a hundred things. So it's kind of nice. It looks right. Big. Yeah. <laughs> it looks really big. Isn't, isn't, isn't that awesome about, uh, analog synthesizers? <laughs> yeah. like, so good. Um, the title instantly yep. reminds me of, uh, Mark Applebaum's pre-composition, you know, when they're talking about swishing or sure. sw- swishing or swishing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> that was, that was a nice thought, but um, the, you, you said in your notes that the, the Butte Montana school district just had a mini, a, a late seventies mini Moog lying around. Yes. Uh, I was teaching a summer class. Uh, I know it's crazy. <laughs> I was teaching a summer class. Um, in Bozeman, and I had a student who was, it was a, a, a music technology for educators, a grad class. And a student from, uh, mm-hmm. who drove over from Butte, a middle school teacher. And one day she, she had, which is about a, a, an hour and a half drive, but one day she, she piled up all the, she told, she told me, okay, I'm going to go into the closet and I'm going to bring all the stuff that we have. <laughs> so she brought a whole bunch of old speakers and there was, and, and she actually had a, a um, a uh, Roland uh, 707, I believe, as well. Um, but then oh, she also, whoa. yeah, not, it wasn't. You know, she had a 707, and then, and then 
A few other things. Um, some 80s, you know, really Walmart sort of quality keyboards. Uh, yeah. And then she brought in this blue box. <laughs> uh, blue, blue, big blue road case. And opened it up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> It, I, I, it was, it was, it was like, you know, early eighties, late seventies, early eighties, mini Moog. And it, it, it had not been touched since like the early eighties. It was in pristine condition. Oh my God. Um, everything was in tune. I mean, none of the, none of the oscillators needed to be tuned or anything and plugged it in. And I was just like, you know, can I borrow this for a weekend? <laughs> and she's like, sure. And I'm like, okay. So I spent I spent a good weekend just just going through it because um, I've never worked on a mini moog um, up to that point, and just went through it and just recorded, you know, ton of samples, tons of samples, uh, just yeah. just messing around and man, she did, she had no idea what she, she didn't. Had. Um, I said she, you know, I told her she, I, I asked her if she was interested in selling it, and she said that we we can't do that. Oh well. Yeah. Um, but uh, but no, I, I hope yeah. she got it out for her students and 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 gets it out for them to play. But but yeah, no, it it was it was a fantastic yeah, what a instrument. I mean, I just I've I've never worked on a vintage one before, and it was uh, um, you know, it was one of those things. You know, every time I get on a on a big, you know, like a, a series, what is it, fifty five or whatever. Every you know those old ones. Every time I get on there, everything is just noisy and dirty, and you know, UMKC mm-hmm. had one when I was there, and and you know. I, it was just it was horror it was difficult to work on because and this was just like oh you turned a pot and it was just just amazing um just beautiful nothing crackled <laughs> just went I'm like, wow uh, so yeah um so yeah, yeah. That, that actually became the basis of the fixed part so it started off as a fit piece uh and then you know with that experience um it's been, I'd touch an analog synth really. I didn't do hardly any of it in grad school, but I haven't touched an analog synth since like, since like uh, the, the uh, mid to late nineties. Um, so this kind of brought mm-hmm. back some, some memories and some, some, you know, physicality of, of control and things like that. And um, decided that we should, you know, at, at the university here that we should have a couple, you know, analog synths and we bought a few and then, then I just started messed around with them and, and uh, came up with a, you know, a semi improvised uh, sort of um, overlay um, of the fixed media part, which I think works really well. So, yeah. Yeah. So the, the analog synth, you said it was the Pittsburgh modular synth. Yeah. That's the one that that's, um, that's on this recording. Yeah. Okay. And um, so for, for you is, you know, you're saying that this, the live part is, you know, loose, it's loose and it's improvised. And mm. I mean, could, could this piece be performed by someone else or is this kind of, is this kind of a vehicle for your own performance practice? Uh, I, I'm yeah, it could be performed by someone else. Uh, I, that'd be great. <laughs> no, no one, no one has yeah, done right. it yet. <laughs> uh, but, but I yeah. think also, I, I think also, you know, yeah, in some ways this is, this is a vehicle for, for my performance practice. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a trained trumpet player, trumpeter, um, but mm-hmm. you know, never was terribly, um, <laughs> what's the word I want to use? Uh, was never going to be a professional. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Never going to be a professional trumpet player. Um, but you know, um, for years, my, you know, my performance output was, um, was uh, live diffusion. 
uh, in a concert hall. Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's still super exciting for me, uh, to, to do, um, the, uh, the live performance on the modular. Um, I mean, I, I guess, I guess I have been doing some, I did live performance before I have a, a couple Kima pieces and a Mac, a couple max pieces that involve uh, a live performance on a fader box or something like that. Uh, so I guess it's sort of a continuation, mm-hmm. but I hadn't been doing that in a couple of years and this getting back really, uh, into, you know, tweaking knobs and things just was, just was, uh, still exciting to perform. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and I, I kind of have the, the same situation, you know, like I came up as a percussionist. I mean, I still play, but it's not good enough that I would <laughs> be willing to play in, in public for anything serious. Yeah, me too. You know, so, and I, I was recently having that kind of same conundrum, like, I want to perform more. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm getting, I'm, I'm a little bit losing touch. So, you know, whenever at, at OU, whenever we had a new music ensemble that, you know, they needed, it was kind of an open score and they needed another player. It's like, okay, do that, I'll yep. do something, <laughs> you know, you know, but, uh, I've been, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always jealous of anyone who has, um, has some analog gear. Like we don't at, at OU, but, we do have a number of old Mackie 1202 ah. mixers that are not really doing anything. Some no, no input So mixer. we've been doing a lot of, yeah, we've been doing a lot of no input. And that's, cool. I've, uh, we, you know, my students and I, we've been, we've been just trying to experiment and figure out, like, what can we do with these things that's musical, but also, like, performative in, in a repeatable way. Mm-hmm. So it's not... You know, it, it's it's not just well. Let's just turn it on and turn some knobs and see what we can do. But actually, like trying to learn the right. thing to where you can have uh, repeatable uh, mm. results. Um, so yeah, it's it's been really fun. But I I I'm with you like that that the tactility, the physicality of working with with that gear is just so much more satisfying um mm-hmm. than you know using a mouse and staring at a screen all day so yeah, yeah. um i mean i so yeah go ahead oh i was just to say my my new uh last year my my uh wife and kids bought me a, a sensor morph oh what is which, that which is pretty cool uh it is it's a uh i got the one that has the bukla thunder pad Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's like a, it's like a, a multi-touch interface, uh, MM, MMP, uh, I think interface. Um, it's pretty cool. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> playing with it. I, it, it's, 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 I'm not, I don't know. It's not it, physically, it's not big enough for me, but that's yeah. different. <laughs> it's just, it's right. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. And I mean, I think, yeah, there, so these I, are, I think there are, yeah, I think there are a lot of pieces or, or a lot of, a lot of uh, composers out there who are starting to like get back into using gear and performing live. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're also, you know, there, there are tons of those pieces where, you know, it's someone like just kind of moving a uh, potentiometer or, uh, or something around to, to make something happen. And I think that, um, you know, there, there are also those pieces out there where it's like, I have no idea what's going on, 
but I'm so intrigued by the performance mm-hmm. aspect of it. You know, like yeah. I think some composers are really getting back into performance as a as a medium instead of just you know, uh, what what's the word? Just almost like just executing the piece. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So, and yeah, yeah, oh yeah. So you said that this was the first in a series of pieces that we're going to be exploring. Um, yes. Uh, you know, analog uh, synth and modular synth. Are are there others, or are the, have there those yet to come? Others. Okay. <laughs> there, there are others. Um, yeah, I still need to to finish the third one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I've got a second one, and and I've kind of uh, entitled "Bleep Bloop." Um, <laughs> swish swoosh, bleep bloop. Love it. Bleep bloop. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Although I might retitle that because it's really not a bleep bloop; it's more of a crisp crash or something. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's it's actually a, a complete. Uh, it's up on my SoundCloud, but it's 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 a complete um, uh, improv. It's a complete. Um, there's no fixed media. All, all the material is coming uh, from uh, uh, modular synthesizer okay. live. So that's awesome. a little bit different take. Uh, wanted to give it a try, see how it worked out. Yeah. I think it turned out okay. So so yeah, awesome. Well, let's uh, let's listen yeah. to this right now. So this is swish swoosh.
before we uh before we get to your your last piece you know just kind of going mm-hmm. back to just composing electronic music in general you know do you do you have any kind of like guidelines or rules for yourself when composing electronic music like almost almost like a philosophy or something when you when you approach the medium hmm the one rule I have is that I don't sit down unless I have three hours. <laughs> so I don't get anything done. I um, know, right? I know. And that the tough part is, is that, is that it's hard to find three hours sometimes. Um, well, especially right now, right? It, 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 you know, yeah. obviously we're, we're recording this during the summer. We're st- quarantine is still very much a thing, even though some places are opening prematurely, yep. but whatever. Um, <laughs> but you're, I imagine you're home with your kids right now, and yeah. it seems from the outside like everyone was like, "Oh, you have so much time, you have all this time," but you don't. <laughs> you you don't. Um, at least that's my my opinion. You know, I'm I am right. I mean, I I I see colleagues just cranking stuff out over this since since March, and I'm sitting there going, "Yeah, I'm 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 not doing that." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, I, I was rather jealous to be honest. <laughs> um, but, but I think it's, uh, I, it just wasn't going to happen. Um, yeah. The, um, with the kids at home, my, you know, my wife teaching from home, she's a, she's a middle school math teacher. So she was teaching from home, mm-hmm. uh, and trying to adapt, uh, you know, music technology courses that have specific oh software God. in the yeah. curriculum, um, to, students that may or may not have a computer at home mm-hmm. was, was really stressful, time consuming, you name it. It, it was, it was, it was triage is the way I look at it. Yeah, I, it really was. I, I, I can't, uh, I can't describe it as an online experience. It was, it was triage. <laughs> I, I teach online. I, I have an online course this summer, uh, on American popular music, which, which is, I think pretty good class, uh, you know, but it's, it, I designed it over a very long period of time and the idea that you're able to, and again, this, you know, this is all for, for us, for us educators, the idea that you can take a, uh, a class that was originally designed online and throw it up um, designed for in class and throw it up online in five days is crazy. Talk. Yeah, absolutely crazy. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah I mean, so what, I got nothing done. Nothing's right. been written in the past six months. <laughs> I mean, and and one of the things, like I I had the same feelings too because I am very much uh, like you. I like to be able to have uh, a long period of time with no distractions, where I yeah. can just kind of throw myself into it, and then when I'm when I'm done, I can exit the scene and like go back to normal life, you know. Mm-hmm. But. I, I'm just not that kind of person where I can just sit down like with an hour and say, okay, well, what can I do? And I've really, yeah. uh, especially, you know, now with we're into summer and my wife is still, still working uh, throughout the summer, uh, but she's also working from home. So it's deceptive in that like, oh, well, both parents are home, but really like, only one parent is available to fulfill the kids needs. And I had to, even when we were during the school year and I had, you know, like I didn't teach that much on a particular day, I had to kind of retrain myself to like, okay, just 
try to get something done. You only have an hour, but I don't want to waste it uh, because like I usually reserve my summers for writing, you know, Mm -hmm. and the summer was going to be no different than the rest of the school year. So I was like, okay, well, that's just gone now. So I've got to like, I've got to do something. I've got to retrain. So I've just kind of focused on like really small projects. Um, And I'd say that, and I'm into a big one right now after having completed a few small things but um but yeah it was it it, like i just kind of started like okay well i'm just trying to do stuff that has very little pressure Mm -hmm. you know so i i did a fixed media piece (laughs) yeah no i'm 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 actually working on um when when i have time or actually i haven't started working on it. it's in my it's up here um it's in my brain um a, Mm -hmm. a, a couple pieces using uh um mobile apps that just really? sound you know, like those funny games yeah. yeah i've done i've done one already uh and um just sort of a, a very minimal simple minimal ambient sort of thing uh and i've got a couple more apps that i want to uh want to use and explore on those so mm-hmm. hopefully hopefully in a you know a couple by the end of the summer i'll have another uh, uh, one or two more lengthy 30 minute pieces that people may want to listen to. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, you, I mean, you just brought up ambient, so let's, uh, let's move on to your last piece. So this piece is called. Oh, good. Good transition. (laughs) I've, I've done a few of these episodes. (laughs) Um, uh, it's called ambient piece. So tell me about this work, you know, where the, where the sounds coming from for this. Yeah. So, so I think I gave you a, uh, sent a, a shorter, shortened version. Uh, I think it's seven minutes is the one. It's about mm-hmm. seven minutes. I think is the one I sent, I sent you. Uh, so there does exist a 23 minute version of this, uh, uh, piece. So, um, the sounds actually, I, I, uh, are, are, are fairly, um, well, they're old, um, I had a friend, uh, David McIntyre, who I was a, a colleague in grad school at UMKC, uh, who supplied uh, a bunch of friends, colleagues with, with a samples that he recorded on a, on a, uh, old Putney synthesizer back in the eighties. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, he wanted us, he was going to, he released an album, uh, that didn't include this piece, but, um, uh, included another piece, but he released an, uh, a couple albums that, that were, um, Composers that used his, his material. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, so there's the second piece I wrote that used his, his original material. And this was, as I was writing the first piece, um, there was a sound file that was just that, this is what I was processing a lot. So multiple, multiple processes. And all of a sudden, you know, you, you come up with this one little sound file that you're like, wow, that is absolutely mm-hmm. gorgeous. It doesn't work in this piece. <laughs> so I'm going to shove it aside for later. Um, yeah, so so several years later, I was looking through things and came across this, and I was like, "Oh wow, yeah, I remember that thing." Um, and so so the piece is really um, made out of uh, composed out of a single process file that um, you know was originally an analog synthesis recording of a Putney probably going or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, uh, you know, it was pretty wacky and it was, it's massively processed. I mean, this is nothing like the original, um, but you know, just saved it. And, and what it is, is it's the sound file that is transposed, layered, you know, stretched, yeah. 
compressed, you know, all those different techniques um, that is uh, just, just sat in a, and what I think, what I, what I, what I think is a really restful sort of uh, state. Yeah. I, I really like this piece just to, I, every once in a while I actually listen to my own music. <laughs> Here's the thought, uh, and I and uh, and isn't isn't it funny that uh, com- like composers, you know, you're not no, I like you're, my you're not music. supposed to listen to your own music, but it's like no, I write what I want to hear that is not out there. Why would I not listen to my own music? Yeah, yeah. No, I I I every once in a while I will listen to this piece when I just want to like veg on the yeah. floor. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and and it it. it yeah, and so it's it's a really I think it's I mean it's the orchestration is fairly complex just because it's thick. Mm-hmm. I mean I guess that's that makes it complex. But but all in all, you know, it's a it's a really straight a really simple sort of um, straightforward in my opinion. You know, relaxing, which is different for me from time yeah. to time. Uh, uh, sort of piece. So yeah, I checked out some uh, a, a couple videos about the uh, the Putney. I mean, it has awesome sounds and control. It has a little joystick. Mm-hmm. That that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's got the matrix thing that yeah, you the can... the um, what do they call that? The, yeah, the patch. Yeah, 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 matrix the patch matrix. Or... Um, yep. Uh, it's going for about sixteen thousand dollars on Reverb.com right now. Yeah. So if anyone has some extra cash and wants to get their hands on one, or you know, like buy a car or something, but anyway. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, did you did you remember, ever see that um, um, advertisement for um, Moog synthesizers that had you can either have a Moog or a Ford pickup truck in the background? <laughs> I didn't see that. I don't know if it's real. I don't know if that's real. Uh, but but I've seen it several times, like like on uh, social media and and <laughs> websites and stuff. You you said in your uh, you said in your notes that the piece was kind of a departure for you. Yeah. So how did you kind of have to reframe your thinking to compose this piece? I, I don't I don't know if I really had to reframe reframe things. I had to I had to let go of some stuff. Mm, okay. Um. Maybe that's that's the best way to look at it. Um. Prior to this piece. Uh, a lot of my material, it, it was a lot of my music. It was, um, I would say, very rapid, fast, mm-hmm. fast moving, uh, textural, but still had a lot of movement that was going on all over the place. Uh, a lot of gesture, um, you know, the crash, bam, boom stuff, sure. and that type of type of thing, um, uh, which which was is still really really important to me. Uh, but for this, I had to let. I just had to let it go. I just was like, you know, this is this this little sound is what this piece is about. It isn't about anything else. It's this one, and I just have to go with it. So, I don't think it was necessary retooling, but just sort of stepping back and saying, well, let's try this. Yeah. Well, I, I mean <laughs> um, that, and see yeah, what that kind of makes yeah. sense. That you know, you're you're limiting yourself to a single uh, a single sound file for the piece and then you're also kind of limiting your your tech uh, the the different types of techniques that you're going to use yeah yeah so uh well let's listen to this um this is ambient p
All right. We are on to the last question. The question that I ask all the composers and artists that are on the podcast. How did you come to music as something that you wanted to pursue for your life? Ah, so um, I think I've mentioned that I was a, a, a trumpeter at uh, mm-hmm. at one time and probably a little bit better player than I am now. Um, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it all started there. Uh, actually, my father has a uh, um, is a musical a, a musical person. He uh, uh, has a undergraduate degree in music education and also a trumpeter. I actually picked up his trumpet as a child um, and started a. Uh, middle school sort of band type of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think it started. My interest in music started with my with my dad. Um, not not only did he do music, have a music education degree. Um, uh, he never taught, but but he did have that uh, did pursue that degree. He um, also spent a lot of my for my young years of uh, in the early to mid eighties in a country western band. Uh, actually, several country western Ooh, bands. All right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember coming, you know, on a on a Wednesday night, usually when they rehearsed, and they'd come. Uh, either dad would go to um, uh, a band members group, or they'd come over and go in our basement and 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 play, you know, country western tunes, um, mm-hmm. uh, and rehearse. And then uh, you know, Saturday, Sunday night, their mom and dad, at least dad, was always always gigging uh, uh, out at the VFW or the Legion or or at a um, mm-hmm. uh, a, a wedding or something when, when people could afford bands at their weddings. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Times change. So, so yeah, I think it started there. Um, decided I was, you know, in high school was not a, was it, was a, was a decent trumpet player, decent musician, um, really enjoyed physics and, uh, you know, physical, um, physical sciences, um, and, mm-hmm. uh, found a degree, at uh, Ball State University, uh, music engineering technology at the time that incorporated both, uh, which was fantastic and surprising and just amazing. Um, you know, so uh, uh, that degree at the time had a uh, basically a bachelor's of music um, in, elect- in electronic music and recording technology, along with a uh, minor required minor in applied physics and electronics. So it just it just sort of fit uh, for what I yeah, was what I was cool. interested in. Yeah. Um, so got there, wanted to be a rock and roll engineer. Yeah, that turned out well. Um, <laughs> but I think every, I mean, even even today, I mean, I have so many students who who uh, uh, here at Montana State that you know they have they have a really good idea about what they want to do, and then they get here and they're like, yeah, studio work's not so exciting, um, or maybe it mm-hmm. is exciting for me. It wasn't. Some people it was like. You know, it was like, this is what I got to do. But for me, it wasn't, it was yeah. what, what I fell in love with was, was composition. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, specifically electronic, electronic, comp- electroacoustic composition. Um, it just felt right. It, um, the, I was intrigued by, and still intrigued by, you know, sound and how it's produced and how we can sculpt it and how we can create feeling with it. And, and, uh, you know, um, variety of different, you know, how do how do we use sound? Um, and just fell in love with it. And luckily, I had a really fantastic professor uh, at the program at the time, Cleve Scott, who, after I was ready to graduate, said, hey, Jason, what are you doing after graduation? And I'm like, I have no clue. Why don't you hang out for a master's degree? 
<laughs> and I was like, sure, I got nothing better, dude. But really, I, I really wanted to be right? there. I wanted to be there. It was, it was, it was a great time. Yeah. Uh, it was a great time to be there because um, the people I studied with uh, where uh, Cleve was retiring. So I got to spend another year with him. But then uh, Michael Pounds um, showed up. And yeah. so I got to study with Michael. Um, I got to study with Jody Nagel while he was there. I got to study with Keith Kothman, who at, who became my boss later on uh, while he was there. Uh, so in some ways, it was it was a real turnover at times. So it was almost like like studying with a complete different set of people. Uh, it was a different set of people. Mm-hmm. It was a different different set of colleagues. So so yeah, um, did that. Finished it up. Thought, boy, I could do a doctorate. <laughs> um, I'd you know, and, and it was really. It was at that time, it was more, I really wanted to teach. Um, and the only way I was going to, mm-hmm. and, and that was my main driver was, was to teach. Uh, and the only way, of course, in today's world that you're really going to find a job in academia yep. is with a, with a PhD or a DMA or a DA or doctor of some sort. Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, I met Paul Rudy, um, at UMKC. I met him in, um, uh, Portland, Oregon at a con at, at the new Waymo conference uh years ago um and uh, he was he had he had a his his cactus piece um which which i really enjoy playing too uh but uh he was doing his cactus piece there and uh maybe it was maybe it was a fixed media piece i don't remember but I was able to talk to paul and really really sort of clicked with him and uh i had known jim moberly's music for probably a decade by then and was always you know, yeah, very right. impressed with his material um i mean he can take Ah, just, just, just so musical. It, it was, it, it was, it was, it was, I saw some things in Jim's and Paul music that I wanted to see in my music that I didn't see in my music. Um, and I think that's what really, right, yeah. really pushed me to, to look there. So yeah, for, you know, well, that's awesome. More than that, way more than four years at, at UMKC, but enough to, I can get a doctorate. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, finished up there and, you know, then it, then it was, um, Boy, they're really, really getting sort of a tale. Um, taught at uh, Kansas City, Kansas Community College uh, with Ian Corbett for a while. Uh, down at uh, um, uh, um, Central Missouri, uh, University of Central Missouri at Warrensburg with uh, Eric Honor. Uh, Eric, yep, filled Eric, in for yeah. Eric for a sabbatical one year and then also did a uh, um, taught with him when he came back for a while. Um, and then, uh, was also offered the job out here about what, nine years ago. Um, so yeah, that's, oh, that's man. the quick, quick, quick tour there. Um, <laughs> yeah. The stroll, the stroll, through the life. stroll, right. The stroll through your musical, musical, why and where and <laughs> yeah. how, and yeah, which really doesn't tell you a lot. <laughs> uh, well, that you know, I've I've been I've done enough of these that it, it's always interesting <laughs> to me that uh, the like, what would you be if it wasn't music, you know, and or uh, or like what were your other interests? And it sounds it sounds like it was science for you. Um, yeah, that, yeah, it, it it probably would have been computer science. Um, yeah, there's a lot. I really dislike sitting in the, well, this, you know, this is back before I'm going to date myself. Uh, I'm only 44, but this is back in the day when you went to the terminal and you had to log yep. on to get on the Unix machine so you could get to the compiler. Um, did not like that. I, I did not like that time. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was, you know, I, 
yeah, if I didn't do music, I don't, I don't really know what I would have done. Maybe something, like I said, maybe something in computer science, but I have yeah. no idea. Yeah, yeah, no exactly. Idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, th- and thankfully you don't have to know, so. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, before we go, can you tell people, um, you know, where they can go to find more of your music, your website, if they wanted to connect sure. with you, like on social media, how they would do that, that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. Um, the best place to find my music is on SoundCloud. Um, just uh, slash JL underscore Bolte. If you go to SoundCloud.com, that is that is the best place at this point. Um, if you do search online for my website, you will be sorely disappointed because it hasn't been <laughs> updated, updated in probably a decade. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm hoping to, to uh, uh, fix that soon. Um, but yeah, SoundCloud's the best. Um, if you are uh, um, looking on social media, I, I'm on uh, uh, Facebook. Um, I think it's just Jason Bolte. You'll find me. Uh, mm-hmm. Also on Instagram, same thing. Jason Bolte. You'll you'll find me on there. Um, I I wouldn't say I'm on there a lot, especially Instagram, but you can find me on Facebook from time to time. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Cool. Thanks for doing this, Jason. Yeah. No problem. It's been a blast. Thanks for listening. As always, if you want to find out more about adjective new music or lexical tones, please go to our website, www.adjectivenewmusic.com.